Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Working hard to get better Balancing running with the rest of our lives. Today's show was a live show. I love doing the live shows. This was at the Eugene Marathon two weeks ago with three people who have been on the podcast before, and I couldn't wait to talk with them. As you'll hear, this was a great conversation. I'm not going to get too deep into the intro because we have a kind of a mini intro at the beginning of the episode or beginning of the panel discussion, I should say, anyway. So I'm really excited for it. So let's get into it with Jenny, Teresa, and Carly. All right, so we are here to talk with three of these amazing women who have actually all been on the podcast before, coincidentally enough, uh, but also all qualified for the 2020 Olympic trials in the marathon as dedicated amateur elite runners, uh, which so many of us are. And we're going to talk about that experience, what that race was like, and then also how that has informed their decision to basically how they're approaching 2024 in the Olympic trials qualifying window, in the new Olympic trials qualifying time, and everything that goes along with it. So let's just introduce each of you. We'll start. Hi, I'm Jenny Donnelly Grimshaw. Hi, I'm Carly Gil Larios. And I'm Teresa Haley. Okay, Teresa, I'll start with you. So for um, down Atlanta, 2020 at the marathon, I know for you that was an incredible race. You set your marathon PR at the trials, going into the race, what was, because what, what were you hoping for on that day? Because we all know how challenging of a course that was, how the weather was so impactful for everyone who ran that day. How did you approach that day and how did the race end up living up to those expectations? Um, well, I had a really good training cycle leading up to the Olympic trials and um, I was feeling pretty confident going into the race and I felt like uh, if I used my strengths, which are training in the wind and um, training in the cold and training on hills, uh, I, I knew I would have a pretty good uh, chance at that race. And one of my strategies was to actually go out um, the first loop because it was a three-loop course, um, go out at a more comfortable pace and not really go after it. Um, and I made a pact with one of my friends to, to kind of run together and see what we could do for the, for the race on, in that first part. And it just, it worked out so well. I just found myself like picking off people on the lap two and then heading in strong on lap three. And then last two miles were a little bit difficult, but it was really good. I didn't look at my watch at all um, because I wasn't, you know, I wanted to have fun that day. And I really, I just was really absorbed by the crowds and everyone was like the, the cheering out there was so exciting and I just um, was really focused on the race and like being in the moment and I think that you know that's why I got a PR that day. So when did you realize that you were going to get a PR? Was it when you actually like saw the finish line <laughs> clock or did you end up peeking at the watch? I, I did never looked at the watch. Um, it was when I was coming through the finish line and I just like started crying when I crossed and when I like discovered what I had just done. That's incredible. All right, Carly, you as well. Um, that's a tough story to follow. Uh, <laughs> I, I had an incredible 2019 going into, um, to qualifying and then I took a job. I work in television, so I had been working in post because in the edit I have a lot more time to train. But anyways, long story short, I took a job that required me to work 12 to 15 hour days on set 
in Long Island City. I was living in Brooklyn, and if you know New York at all, it's really hard to get there. So most of my training compiled of um, run commute and run commute workouts. So, uh, and it was really on little sleep. So I didn't have an ideal training cycle, but I was super fit, you know, just residually. So I was actually pretty strong, but just tired going into the trials. I just wanted to have a good time. The point was to get there. I knew, um, I knew I wasn't, you know, maybe as fit as I was when I qualified, but I was definitely strong. So I had a lot of hill work and and things like that. So I just wanted to enjoy it um, and go out there and have a good time. Um, And I got there. I ran with Jenny for quite a bit of of the race. And uh, unfortunately, I I got some uh, stomach issues, which I think was due to maybe overfueling, which I don't think I had ever done before. Um, I, I was nervous, so I made a lot of nervous mistakes in the morning of. But anyways, I said, you know what? I'm still going to just try to stay under three hours, have a good time, smile, and slowing down is going to help these, like, stomach issues settle. And so I had a blast. Um, definitely not a PR, but I had a blast. I was sad to lose my, uh, my pack of New York City girls at the time, um, though that was the worst part. But I had a good time. It was such a joy to be there. All right. How about you, Jenny? Yeah, I was just kind of shocked to be there. Um, I had qualified less than three months before in what um, was a, like, big stretch goal and um, qualified by, you know, like, less than 30 seconds. So That was that iconic CIM. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was very excited. Um, and so, I, I mean, it's, it's, like, cliche to say, but I was just so happy to be there. And I think I was happiest because of like yes the time gains I had made to be there but mostly the the mental I'd um you know had so many years of anxiety attacks and races and crying phone calls to my parents and so to be able to be there and have that incredible New York community and really feel like like trying to tell myself that like I belonged and had this incredible group um was just so special and so I think I tried to kind of like take it a bit um like group mentality in the beginning. And then we had that incredible New York group for, I think the first like 17 and then the last eight to nine miles just really focused on like trying to pick people off. And, um, that mentality of everyone was slowing down, but if you can focus on one person after another, you can like feel like you're getting faster. So it was incredible. Like it's still one of, one of the best days of my life. I think you did get faster. (laughs) She picked people off. She was doing great. So we'll go back to Jenny here. How would you describe the energy, not just like during the race, but certainly that's part of it, but just the energy of that whole weekend experience of being down in Atlanta around the trials? I think what's so exciting about the trials is this idea of really that you can accomplish things better together. And there was that energy of, yes, there was the professional runners were really focused on those top three spots. But the rest of the group was like, we got here a lot because of each other. And I think... I had struggled a lot in competitive running growing up because you were so competitive against your teammates. And a lot of times, especially in college, it's not time-based at all. Races are really fartlicky and tactical because it is about competing against each other. But I felt like qualifying and leading up to the trials was so much like, we're only going to do this if we do it together. Um, And that was both the woman in the race, but also we had so many friends from New York who had trained and didn't quite make it but they came out and cheered and it was all like we did this together and so that was it really was this like big celebratory feeling 
Um, yeah, I agree. I forgot the question, but I agree with everything Jenny said. Um, um, that's oh, energy. The, that's, just, yes. I, that's just a great motto to live by. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I know what's happening, but I, I agree with I don't know what's happening, but yes. Um, yeah, it was so amazing to be there. I think most of us had those exact feelings of like, wow, I'm here. And like, what? <laughs> you know, I think we had the goal. Like, I'm going to qualify, I'm going to qualify. And then you do it and then you get there and you're like, this is amazing and 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 like Jenny said it's like with so many of our peers and to have so many people who made it and who didn't quite qualify come out and support it was amazing and like the running community out there it was yeah it was really cool I think like the cheers um, were deafening I've done a lot of world majors and you know it's not quite New York in terms of like the cool vibes and stuff but there was it was like louder than the New York City Marathon it, it truly was crazy. Teresa, let me ask you about basically post, you know, post trials, right? So for obviously you have the energy surrounding the event, you guys described that really well. Like it was just that electric feeling. You go there, not only was, did you have that aspect of it, but you run incredibly well. You set a PR. So that's a huge high on top of another huge high. What was it like in the months that followed the trials uh, in terms of just not just running, but just you know how you felt about your own running and just within the sport coming off that huge high that you'd experienced? Um, well, so the days after the trials, I actually got really depressed because I came off of like the highest of highs and then... It was just like nobody in my real life understood what I had just done. And it was really hard to go back to real life, like go back to work and like, you know, from being surrounded to all these people that were so excited about what had just happened and then go back to work and like people just had no idea what it just transpired. And, um, you know, obviously the pandemic happened after the trials and, um, I had a really hard time actually getting back into running. Like it took me a really long time to even just recover from that race. Uh, my, my muscles, like I took like a month off from running and then started running again and things just didn't feel right. Like my whole body was just like, feeling off. And I don't know if part of that was like just the state of the world at the time or, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was weird, but I still like, I continued to run every day, but I remember trying to go for a run with my husband, like my first run back and like my heart rate was elevated, like way higher than normal on, on an easy run. And things were just, it took me a really long time to get back to myself, like with running after that race. Carly, I'd love to hear your opinions on this as well. And we'll go with Jenny after. Okay. Yeah. Um, interesting to hear that because I definitely had similar feeling. Although re at first, I think being in Brooklyn when the pandemic happened, obviously I have a very um, traumatic, a little bit, um, point of view when I think back to that time. Um, I tried, like two weeks after the race, I tried to just do what I normally do, which is like a couple weeks of easy running. And I was like going through the motions a little bit, um, got some yell, got yelled at for jogging in Brooklyn. There was a lot of like um, hostility, Jenny knows, um, around joggers uh, during the pandemic, started running with a mask or bandana. Um, 
And I found myself, I actually, Strava decided to show me two years ago uh, a map of a run I did where I was literally running blocks. And I remember that run. I literally just like ran up and down all these blocks. Um, And I remember like crying at the end of that run because I was, you know, getting dirty looks. I was, you know, it just didn't, it didn't feel like what running was. And I, you know, I ran 10 miles of just like zigzags. And then I was like, what am I doing? Um, So after that, you know, this is all pandemic related, but I I think also after trials, like I, it was a low of something amazing that just happened. And then the whole world kind of came to this, into a pandemic, um, something we had never experienced before in our lifetime. Um, So yeah, I actually struggled. I ended up kind of up and down struggling with all the other changes. Um, that I did in the next year, I struggled for almost a whole year. So I took almost an entire year off of, int- of intense training um, before I had my spark back, actually. So, yeah, I had a um, I-, I had a very different experience, and I think the one thing that I always said in 2020 and beyond is like there was no right answer for how to deal with things. And running, you had to let running be what it would be most beneficial to you. Like you couldn't try to force anything. And for me, I felt like the six months leading up to the trials was the first time in my life that I ever felt like really at peace with running and really like I was doing it for all the right reasons and that it was driving fulfillment in the right ways. And so 2020 was actually probably like this, the start of my most, I mean, I was pregnant all of last year. So 2020 probably was the most like fulfilling year of running for me in life so far. And that there was no like real race pressures. And so I was able to play around with like higher mileage. I went after some like virtual time trials from college. And so to me, it was a running was a really freeing experience when the rest of the world felt like very scary. And there were other parts of my life that were really challenging. Like my, just like our wedding was twice delayed. We were thinking about moving. And so when things felt very out of control, the running felt very at peace to me. And like, I could feel like myself and at home in that, um, So it was a year for me of like building a lot of mileage and I did like some ultras and some more adventurous things. Um, But I was always of each week was the mindset of um, like this running will be what it needs to be for me. And I'm self-coached as well. So I was able to like take it day by day. All right. So four months ago, no, five months ago now, they made the announcement for the new trials times, new trials qualifying times for both the men and the women. I think that was CIM weekend, right? Mm-hmm. That was when it happened. Um, so that's when they announced 2.37 as the women's time to, to qualify for the trials. I think we all expected it to dip a little bit. No one really knew exactly what the time would be. Um, so let's just kind of go around and just hear what your initial reactions were, maybe in the moment and then like with the day's reflection on what that time was and how you initially thought that might impact you, your running, your training, and your goals. Um, so I ran sim last year, so that was like two days before I was going to tow the line. And no matter what happened, the window didn't open till January. So the race was what, what it was going to be. Um, but I feel like I'm a little bit rare. I, my first initial thought was bring it. Like I, I've been having really good training this last um, six months or probably starting last September. So more than that, but, um, I've been feeling really strong. I feel really motivated. I feel like I'm like in the best mental game I've ever been in. I just, I feel so confident and 
you know, I have a goal. My goal is to break 230. And so when I saw the 237, I, I just, I was like, all right, that's, you know, one more, it's one step to get to like my goal. And, um, that weekend I ran a 237.33. So it was really nice to like come away from that race, knowing I had more in the tank and thinking that, you know, I just have 30 more seconds, but really I have seven minutes till my real goal. So it's, yeah, I kind of have a bigger goal in mind and this is just one step to get there. Um, I was too on my way to CIM when I um, read the news. I think I landed and had all these tweets and texts. Um, I knew going into CIM, I'm, I wasn't in, in the best shape of my life. Um, I was kind of just returning after the year I took off and moving to altitude. I just wanted to go out there and have a fun race. So I didn't think, um, I wasn't even trying to PR <laughs> at CIM. Um, and my PR being 242, seeing the news, um, I was a little surprised um, at how quick it was, but I'm in, maybe not bring it for me. I, I don't know yet if I'm going to go for it, but I'm like, yeah, bring it for women's running. Like, I think it's just going to elevate a lot of these sub elite women who are, who are doing amazing things. And I think there's a lot of women who can definitely do that. I'm not saying I can't. Um, I think that it's encouraging and motivating, um, to see that time. And for me, I was like, this doesn't change what I'm going to do at CIM. I didn't even think I could come close to my 242. So I wasn't going to do anything rash. Um, but you know, I, I think, like she said, her goal is to break 230. Mine has, and I said before the standard comes out, I want to go for breaking 240, and that is my goal. And I don't want the standard, whether the standard's 241 or 231, I don't want it to change the joy of what my next goal would be either way. So for me, I, you know, and then some people say to me, oh, if you're going to go for breaking 240, go for breaking 237 and it's like well three minutes in the marathon I mean you have to run a 236.50 too like you know like you can't run a 237.30 um so it's um you know it's the difference between being under six minute pace um and over and so for me I'm like for now I want to focus and enjoy the stepping stone goals just like I would no matter what the standard that this committee of people decided, um, would be, but yeah, I mean, I'm not counting myself out, may have other life things planned in the next two years, but, um, yeah, also bring it for 2028. Like, you know, I'm not counting myself out in the long term to requalify, but it is a very short window. I think that actually throws me off a little bit more, especially after taking so much time off of racing. So I laughed. Um, (laughs) I was one month postpartum. I could not have felt farther away from a 236.59. Um, so I remember like calling my husband and being like, well, you don't have to worry about me trying to train for that this time. Because, um, you know, it do- it's a huge sacrifice and it is a lot of time of effort. But um, since then, my perspective has entirely shifted. Um, and I feel exactly the same way as Carly. And I think as I've reflected on it, you know, it's, it doesn't change the way that I train. Like I want this year to continue to really love running and not be ashamed to say that running is really important to me and I want to really strive for big goals and, um, and very lucky that, you know, my husband does really support that. And I want to be proud of how much I'm putting into it. And the pressure of trying to break 237 just seems like an unfair qualifier to gauge that work by. And 
I do have a life goal of, of trying to break 240. And so I'm going to train the same way that I would of trying to go after the standard. Um, it is hard for me to fathom thinking I can run that time, but I don't think it's fair for any of us to count ourselves out because so much of what was accomplished in 2020 was because we just went for paces that maybe on paper we had no business training at. And so, um, yeah, my mentality is much more positive than my initial reaction. Now, with these big lofty goals that so many people have that often are associated with times, it can be so easy to be extremely time focused in training, to be really type A about how a certain workout or weeks of workouts can or cannot correlate to those times. Jenny, you talked about how like, you qualified at CIM. The, the, the pictures and videos of that day of the women crossing sub 245 were, were epic and um, really inspiring for a lot of people. How do you manage or try to manage um, just the combination of being goal-oriented, being associated with the time, but still having like the joy in running that comes sometimes with dissociating from those kinds of goal metrics? Yeah, it's a really good question because those pictures and that moment was incredible. But what you don't see is the people who ran 245.40 and had a huge PR. And it was actually, a, a it was the most unbelievable moment. But I mean, I finished at like 244.30. And so it went from all these women hugging and crying to all of a sudden there's other women crying and you don't know if it's happiness or sadness of how near of a miss that was. And I think there's so many incredible things about training for these big goals together. But I think it goes back to what Carly said of just making sure we're, we're really celebrating all the milestones along the way um, and not just having one goal that doesn't really show how hard you worked. And I think for me, a lot of it's just been training with friends. Um, I'm now on, on the Impalas in San Francisco and it's been, I, I like can't put into words how incredible it's been, especially coming back these last five months and that every workout just is so fun because we're just kind of like chasing each other and I don't go in with any time goals now. I just, friends come in with their workouts and I say, okay, I'll hang on as long as I can. And um, it's been really freeing. And then, so my goal is, is kind of just train with these women, be really proud of the effort I'm putting in and then come three, four weeks out from marathon, then start to think, what does this mean for marathon pace versus trying to focus on one pace and then being upset if like I don't hit it or maybe holding myself back if I could have gone faster. I, I forgot the question again, but yes. Um, uh, no, 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 no. I'm just listening so deeply. Um, I agree with everything Jenny said. It actually brought me back. Um, I ran uh, CIM in 2018 and I ran a 247 and I got so many, I'm so sorry. I was so mad because it was a two minute PR and I, yeah, I went for it that day and I fell short, but I still PR'd. And so for me thinking of that happening, if I ran a 239 right now, I'd be like, are you kidding me? I, you know, my God, I hope one day I can run that. Um, and so it reminded me because there are all those people who didn't qualify or people who are going for sub three and, and fall a little short, but still PR or they're going for sub four or, or a BQ and they fall a little bit short. And I think it's, you know, it's so relatable in a way that, yeah, like if you just the time when I when I lined up and I actually did qualify, I actually didn't really think about the time that much. I just was so at peace and ready to have fun and and do what I loved and was ready to do 
didn't know what was going to come. Um, you know, had so much fun. There were so many people out there. Um, so the community was out there, even in Berlin, there was like tons of people I knew out on the course. So, um, again, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but, um, I think just focusing on the joy and, and friendship and community, um, throughout the training. Yeah. We elevate each other and, um, it's fun to think, Oh, what could I do? And long-term, short-term, but yeah, just taking, taking it. And especially after having a year where I didn't really, um, love running in the same way to find that joy again has been so rewarding. And like Jenny, I don't want to lose that, um, by chasing a goal, but I think sometimes when you don't focus on the goal, that's kind of when it could come. I want to add one thing. Cause I think I like, I think we're saying like the same thing and I totally agree with all of this, but I also want to say that it's also okay to say that you have a big goal and to be upset yes. if you don't make it. Cause yes. I feel like as I'm like listening to myself and I, I do want to acknowledge, like I really like tomorrow I have a, a goal and I will be sad if I don't make it. That doesn't mean that like this training cycle hasn't been so fulfilling and I wouldn't do anything differently, but like totally. it's also okay to have big goals and be upset if you fall short of them. Totally. I just was thinking that. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And it's, it, I think when, I, I see so many people announcing their goals these days. And I think it's so cool because when I set out to break three for the first time, I was very secretive about it because I didn't think that I had any business going for it. And then it was just this big surprise. But I, I think it's really cool. And, and part of the thing that was cool was even when I fell short a couple of times um, trying to OTQ, everyone knew that was my goal. And, and it is cool. And I think if you're on the other side of that or when I see somebody fall short of their goal, but maybe still do something cool or PR like, it can be both. It can be a celebration. It can also, but you can also, of course, with that 247, I was a little bummed. Like I went for it, um, but I was still proud. So you can be proud and, and yeah, bummed. It's a balance. Yeah. It's a balance. Yeah. Yeah, Teresa, same thing to you in terms of like balancing the joy of running that you need to have in order to train for big goals while still having the goal being a time goal in and of itself instead of just like an adventure goal where it's like, hey, I would love to like go rim to rim to rim. Right. So it's like, hey, this, yeah. that's more of an adventure goal. Having a time goal can be potentially, you know, a hard thing to manage while you're trying to keep that joy alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for a big part for me is just trusting the process and um, trusting my coach. And I actually have a new coach now, which has been different for me because I have to learn how to trust this new person. And um, but all throughout training for all the trials, like I, I had seven missed attempts at qualifying for the trials for 2016. And then, yeah. Um, so it's, I think like I, I, I will in the very beginning, like when I was trying to get that to originally it was 243 and then it changed to 245. Um, and now it's 237. But when I was going for that 245 and the 243, I was so dead set on one pace and the thing that changed this most recent training cycle that I did when I ran a 237 is I didn't have a goal in mind. I was like, I was just going out there and running what I felt like my body could handle. And it, I think that helped me get to that point. Um, and I, yeah, so trusting the process. <laughs> All right, before we get going, just go around the horn again. Uh, what are your hopes for this weekend? Um... Okay, this isn't going to be... <laughs> I want to win. <laughs> so I'm going to try and go for a win tomorrow in the half marathon um, and get a shiny You're new on. PR I'm in kidding, kidding. the race. <laughs> 
I'm going to try to run a mile PR with her. No, um, I, I'd like to just get back to, to racing again. So my goal is to run close to, if not a PR, um, but I would be stoked to just be under 80. Um, again, uh, if I'm not, I won't be super upset. I think there's a lot of momentum in my training right now. So, but I'm going to fight for that. And, you know, I've run under 80 a handful of times, but never under 79. So I'm going to say we're going to try to go under 79, maybe. I should say if I'm feeling a half marathon. Oh, yeah, 79 in the marathon. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, just hang on. Maybe, maybe under 119. Yeah, I want to PR, so... Um, 118, big stretch goal, I think, would be breaking 118. Um, but that's kind of the realm I'm targeting. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Best of luck this weekend, and you know, hope it goes well for all of you. Thank you. Right, thank you for, for sticking around, guys. Jenny, Teresa, and Carly, thank you so much for doing this. Just unbelievably great women who all actually ran incredibly well. At the race, as you hear, as you heard, Teresa had had uh, you know visions of trying to get first place, which was awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, actually, first place went to a um, a <laughs> an unbelievable junior runner um, in in the local Northwest area who absolutely crushed it. Teresa came in fourth. All three women ran very well, and I couldn't be happier uh, for all of them. So, thank you so much for listening, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.